0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club you're listening to the Coaches Panel
1: This is Nat Fife from
2: the Fremantle Footy Club Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club Scott Vandenbrie from the Collingwood Football Club you're listening to the Coaches Panel Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows This is Tom Mitchell and you're listening to the Coaches Panel <laughs> Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Five weeks of your fantasy footy season are in the rear vision mirror, but don't you worry. Even though we're just over a month into 2023, there is still plenty of the season to go and lots to talk about coming off the back of Round 5 Gather Round. Over 40 new positional changes with the DPPs. They are in game. And on our strategy roundtable, there is a lot to discuss. Joining me on this episode, both of them uh, took a week to just freshen up. No sub vest required. We gave them a week off to be fresh for a new week. Mini Monk, hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good.
0: I'm, I'm the rookie that's being managed. It's a very early one in the season, but I should be coming back nice and fresh now.
2: Yeah, no problem. You are the Harry Sheasel of the fantasy community, aren't you? Just having an absolute standout first year better than everyone else. And then, Riz, does that make you Scott Pendlebury, the old bloke that still just is as good as he's ever been?
1: I'm not that good anymore, So, (laughs) but I'm coming back, so I'm just coming back to say hello.
2: Oh, well, it's certainly doing more than that, lads. There's a ton of stuff I I want to get through with you. Uh, Our Patreons, uh, which you can join the group with the links in the description of this episode, have given us some incredibly juicy questions that we want to get to right throughout the episode. want to talk trade boosts and trade priorities. want to talk cash cows. Of course, we've got to get through those DPPs and look at some of them. I want to talk about the difference between targeting an underpriced premium and a fallen premium. I know it feels like I've just said the same thing twice. They're really different, we'll get to that in a second. Wanna talk cash cows, trading priorities, and a bunch of different stuff. But lads, maybe we'll start here before that. I made this comment at the top of the episode about rankings and how people are going. And It it does happen every year, but we get to kind of five weeks into the year And the serious coach, which is predominantly those that listen to the coaches panel across multiple formats, if you're having a really okay to slow to poor start to the year, I know you're not at the moment, uh, but if you're in that position, um, what's some encouragement you give some coaches, knowing that we are only not even a quarter of the way through the season?
0: But it's basically that we're not even a quarter of the way through the season. And a lot of the moves that you have made maybe two, three, four weeks ago to fix rookies, fix mid prices, those moves haven't come out. The points and the the cash generation that come from those moves haven't come out of the wash yet. It takes a long time and a lot of rounds and a lot of rookie scores and premium scores to wash out. To see where you actually end up because if we're playing the game based off of you know the first three rounds of the season then it'll be a boring game you just pick players that have got a good matchup for the first three weeks and that's it hmm. but we're picking players for the season we're picking rookies to generate cash to allow us to get to 22 premiums or in some cases even 23 and it comes out in the wash i mean we've got buys to plan for which are going to be a headache we've hmm. got You know, matchups to come. We've got players that might go down injured, might go down suspended, which is now a hot topic, Mm -hmm. and it all comes out in the wash. So there's still plenty of time to come back. You might be in a position where you're not too happy with your rank, but just keep doing the same things, fix your team up, make the right moves, and you'll recover. It's as simple as that.
2: Rids, is it really as simple as the difference as one or two moves in starting squads is the difference between a good start bad start and an absolutely on fire start? Of course it is.
1: And it always has been, MJ. We see this every single year, yeah? We see guys that burst out of the gates in the first three or four weeks and then suddenly teams sort of adapt to them and start planning for them. And I mean, let's talk about Nick Dacos right now. So there was a lot of discussion in the preseason, yeah? Mm -hmm. About tags. A lot of people were scared off by that. Now, some people may not even – I don't own him yet in AF. I mm. I own him in DT and Coach, but we had that discussion a couple of weeks ago where I said he was absolutely warranted in Supercoach to jump mm. on. But AF right now, I don't – I had bigger problems to, you know, fix. And then uh, Minimunk just said it a second ago, like – I've made moves for four or five or six rounds time. Mm. Like, I don't know how they're going to end up right now, but it looks okay to me with cash gen and making sure the benches are fixed and fixing better problems down the line.
0: Yeah,
1: People are doing that if you're smart. So, of course, though, if you do that, you're not going to get the sugar hit, are you?
2: No, you, but let's look
1: at Nick Dacos, okay? For people that have jumped on him, he's not gonna average 120 for the year. There's well, probably no probably not. <laughs> there's yeah. no chance of that, you know. He's got one hell of a beautiful start to the season. There's yeah, no dramas perfect. about that, okay? Yeah, but at some point in time, even the coaches now, MJ, are talking about giving him some attention. We've got Media talking about why aren't you going and making him accountable? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you? Do- mm. Even the coach last week was like, "Oh yeah, we had a heated discussion in the coaches' box that we're going to." You know what generally happens, MJ? The week after when they don't do that and the guy comes down and is best on ground and has ten coaches' votes,
2: they go for it the very next one.
1: Yeah, and I mean he comes into Essendon this week and then he goes into Adelaide the next week. So what's the number one thing that we're expecting here? I reckon uh, it's Will Snelling is going to go stand and next ben to Ben
2: Keyes the week after. And
1: Ben Keys yeah. is going to go and get a job yeah. on him the week after. So everyone's now let their guards down going, oh yeah, the tag's not real. It's a myth and everything else. Guess what? It's coming. <laughs> it's every chance <laughs> it's coming, okay? So I just want to say that I'm not saying it's a hundred percent chance. I'm just sure that out. But if that happens. You know, that's where you jump up if you don't own a day cost. That's yeah. where the fears of you not starting are actually, you know, they've, they're franked a bit, you know? Yeah. They're like, okay, this is how it happens. And guess what, MJ? If they win a game or two in the next couple of weeks, and I'm talking about Essendon and Crows, True. And, they, and other teams go, oh, wait a sec, if we tag this kid and actually slow down his influence, we might actually win a game be of a chance here. here. So, I mean, this is what happens through the year. And it doesn't have to be him. Look at Adelaide and Jordan no. Dawson.
2: Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same do you conversation. What happening yep. this
1: week with Hawthorne? Hawthorne. Oh, they're tagging know, every sandwich. day. Oh, yeah, but they're not sitting there in the match committee going, oh, uh, yeah. They're actually going, who are we going to use to tag? McGinnis?
2: McGuinness, who? Yeah. yeah.
1: Whoever, you know, yeah. that's the discussion that's happening right now.
2: Yep, mm-hmm. that's good.
0: I was just going to say, Essendon did it last year. They got killed That's true. by Lockie Neal early on in the season. And then they came back up at the Gabba and went, we're not going to get killed by Lockie Neal this time. And they sent Coldwell to him and he did a yeah. phenomenal job to slow him down. Yeah. And I think they nearly won that game. Yeah, And so why point. would they not do it this year as well? So I think uh, Rids is hundred percent right. Like if you're not a day owner at this point, chances are you've probably missed the boat. Yeah. If you're not a Dawson owner this week, You may have missed the boat as well. Yeah, you could put Oliver, maybe even English in that if you wanted to. Exactly. Exactly. And I was talking before about how cash generation comes out in the wash. It's tough to come out of the wash now because now we're in upgrade season. Mm. This is where your cash generation, the rookies that you have in the bench, those things that haven't really made that much of a difference to your overall score and your overall rank to this point of the season – now is where they start to become vitally important, and now is where those moves that you have made to fix those rookies, fix those failed mid-prices, will start to kick in.
2: Well, let's talk about this Jay, moment. But oh, yeah, one please, Rich.
1: and I just want to – because both of you guys are the unlucky owners of uh, Menzi, okay, who's coming – Jai Menzi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the nine yeah. on field, But guy. you guys would be able to – like, he, his cash gen was going great guns before that. Yeah, he's the best cow in the league. Really. Yeah, one bad performance, it all stalls, and then suddenly he becomes a tag out, um, trade out target yeah. this week, or a priority trade out to a point. This is how quickly that can change. Like there's no way any any Menzi owner was thinking we're gonna have to trade him out next week. It, that's potentially they might have if they were able to upgrade elsewhere. But right, they wouldn't have had that as a priority. Right now, though, the week
2: after, it's a priority. Yeah, the game changes very quickly in a week. And you, you both made this interesting, uh, alluding to points of this time in the season. We've had our first DPP changes, five games of footy, plenty of data has rolled through. Uh, in all formats now, we've seen multiple price movements both on the upward and the downward trend and we find ourselves in this interesting junction of the season where to mini monk's point it's upgrade season. These premiums that we've been targeting have now seen 30, dollars 50, dollars $80,000, dollars fall away from their starting price. And they are now, quote, unquote, ripe for the picking. We've seen some of our cash cows have some really nice scores, maybe in the case of Menzi, start to dip away. Maybe it was one of our vested uh, players. Now they've hit their cash generation stall point. But it's not true for all. And so we enter into this interesting point of the season. I'm keen on both of your thoughts. We'll start with you, Monk, and then absolutely, Rids, you can jump off the back of that. Talk me through this interesting tension where we've got this upgrade cadence that we're looking to do and to get really aggressive in making our moves and priorities fast while not negating our cash generation. Because the last thought I'll say on that is often the guys we're looking to tap out of first are the guys that are potentially some of our best money makers, but they've just hit a wall because of a vest, one poor game, whatever. So, Monk, talk us through that kind of almost dilemma and processing between those two worlds colliding.
0: I'm going to take it to an extreme. Please. Let's talk about rookies that we are fielding and rookies that we have on the bench. If you want to get a rookie to a premium this week, the easiest one to move would be Harry Sheasel. Sure. Because he has so much coin on his head. But nobody is talking about trading Schiesel because you want to field him because he's scoring like a premium. Well, let's go to the next level, Dan. The next level, Dan's probably Will Ashcroft. Popped mm-hmm. a 90-odd this weekend, 70-odd in Supercoach. You probably want to field him for the next three or four weeks at least. Mm-hmm. Not many people are talking about trading him. Nope. What about if we go to the other extreme? Let's talk about someone like uh, Lockie Cowan. Sure. He's performing reasonably well, yeah. but he doesn't have that much cash on his head. And so people aren't talking about trading because they think, well, even if I do, there's not really that much that I can get to. This is the time of the year where it becomes tricky because you have to make the most of the cash that you have from the cows that you want to trade. Hmm. I know that Ritz mentioned it before, you and myself, we both have Menzi. He's a pretty forced trade. It's a pretty easy one to jump off of. Definitely. Let's look at ones that other people are trying to move off of. Jinbi, subbed out, low score. Can you move off of him this week? Sure. Is he the best cat to move off of this week? Maybe not. He's been a pretty good rookie up until this point. He's had one pretty poor game because he was subbed out after he got a bit of an eye knock, a couple of corkies, nearly studs up in the face. Yeah, tricky one. Cam McKenzie subbed used as the vest this week. Comes out scores a fourteen, I think, in SuperCoach and a twenty in AF. Mm -hmm. But he's going to be, you know, prime to play this weekend. Do you want him? Trade him out? Perhaps not. So it's about managing that kind of combination. It's about what rookies don't give me the scores on field that I need. Don't give me any more cash generation. And what can I get to with that coin? So it's about the combination of those things and upgrade cadence to go to the top premiums. Okay. Say people are targeting the likes of Tuk Miller, Lockie Neal, Rory Laird this week because they're quote unquote bottomed out in price. Mm. If you don't have the cash to go up to them without culling a good rookie, it's probably not the right move to go on to them. It's probably better to try and find the premium or the underpriced premium or the value pick that you can move to with the rookies that you want to trade out because they might not be on your field. They might be coming back down in price rather than forcing an upgrade by trading out rookies that you're going to want to be fielding for the next three or four weeks. I think there's a trade-off there that's kind of been missed this week because, you know... People are looking at the likes of, let's use, let's throw some names out there, Johansson and Jones in yep. AFL Fantasy because they've got a cheap price and people think, oh, I could just sideways a rookie to them. I get a rookie off the field. I get a player on. Is that a bad move? Perhaps not. Mm. But it's something that they can do with the cash that the rookies have on their head without killing the structure of their team. And it's a combination. It's all about what you can do with your team, with the cash you've got in the bank from your trades last week, with the rookies you've got capped out in price, with the premiums that you want to target. It's good. Your thoughts on that, Ritz? Yep. So
1: just the way I have always played the game, okay, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to move, upgrade my bench rookie to become like whoever it is to come on the field and then push the rookie that I had on the field to the bench spot. So that way then the cash gen is still there. The job security is still there. There's some sort of assurance that I'm always going to have some sort of cover. And like Wilmot's probably the best one, best Mm. example. Okay. So if I could push Wilmot, Wilmot onto the bench he becomes my emergency for my defensive line or my midline with that now new DPP. Mm. So, and I might be able to get a Cowan up to a Johannesson, you know, with smart trading with sure. whatever it is. That would actually be my preference always when it comes to this sort of discussion. But what I'm seeing at the moment, and Minimunk was 100% correct, is mm. we're seeing people move up Jinbi. <laughs> say to a Johansson, okay mm. now at the end of the day mj like i mean i know that the break evens are in the favor of Johansson at this for point sure in time. but the reality of the situation is is i think jimby's probably got a better job security than a Johansson or a jones at this point in time or at least equal role
2: security sure
1: okay And he's probably got a better role because Mm -hmm. he's playing in the middle. He's playing as an inside mid he's tackling, he's been freshened up. He's ready to go this week. I think Simpsons even said that he's going to play this week because there's no one in the team that could probably (laughs) play anyone. And so, and he's probably going to make just as much cash over the next four to six weeks due to that. So, I don't see that as an upgrade, but people are saying it is an upgrade because they're getting a rook off the field. And I just don't think people are thinking through this
2: properly. So we're talking about guys like Jinby, McKenzie, Chandler, that for the most part across the formats, you could argue Davey to a lesser extent, but let's throw him into the mix too. Guys that have arguably got some of the best job security, Mm. let's not look at talk about who we're moving them up to because we might not be moving them up to. Let's talk about the cows that we might be moving them down to to put on the head of the cowans. Let's talk about those guys because there are some okay cows, but is there concerns of you boys moving off these incredibly secure cows for some volatile in terms of role and job security? So,
1: MJ, if I say a couple of names... Right now, okay. If I say Roberts, if I say Johnson, do they smell Vesty at all to you? Uh,
2: red or green? Almost every single week.
1: Yep. Now, if I say Seamus Mitchell, now what do we know about Seamus Mitchell at this point in time? Is he didn't play the first four games, and he sort of came out of nowhere and made a day last week and he had a nice role and he did very well. There's no problems about that. And he should be a target this week. But if you're going someone who's got amazing job security and has been proven, made a couple of hundred thousand, let's say a Chandler to a Mitchell, Mm. that doesn't fill me with confidence in four weeks time. It might fill me in confidence for this week but not in four weeks' time or five weeks' time when we're going to need that cash gen still ticking over. We're going to need that, you know. Otherwise, if you're not planning for four weeks' time, you're actually not planning. Like, if you do week to week to week, you're going to handstring yourself a little bit if you're not careful about who you're trading into with the rookies.
2: So, Mini Monk, on that, some might hear and go, yeah, I'm not too worried about four weeks away because I'm getting this premium player by making that trade of Chandler or Jinby down to that basement cow. And again, they're not on the bubble in Supercoach and Dream Tomb, so it might not be a priority. But in AFL fantasy, they've had a little cash movement. But it's, yeah, I don't care because it gets me the player I want and I'm looking for points. So where does that dilemma of points and cash generation when does that wrestle start to become a bit more realized for us?
0: This week, you trade out Chandler, Jinby. Next week, you trade out, you know, uh, McKenna, Wilmot. The week after, you trade out Ashcroft. Who's coming onto the field to cover these rookies as well? Yeah, it's true. Like, that's that's where it kills you in the long run. It's the combination of the cash generation you're getting out of the rookies and which rookies come onto field. If you've got, you know pretty decent rookies sitting at M9, D7, F7 that you can put onto your field. One week, probably don't get hurt. Two weeks, you might start to feel the sting. Three weeks is where it starts to probably feel a little bit worse. This is Mm -hmm. why Ritz was talking about it before. The rookies you kind of want to get rid of are the ones that sit on your bench because chances are they're the more unreliable scorers. They've got the lesser job security. The are less likely to go up to a point where their cash generation is is wild and where you can easily trade them up to a premium. That's where you get killed in the long run. You get killed not by the premiums you're getting in because everyone knows that Book Miller's a great buy this week. Yeah. Roy Allaire's a great buy this week. Tom Stewart's a great buy this week. No one's doubting that. But if you're having to field, you know, Ollie Holland's or Lockie Cowan or Jacob Van Ruin mm. for three weeks while you're sorting the rest of your team out that's like 100 points 150 points that you're losing there like yep. that's where it kills you in the long
2: run yeah it, it's a good take so so what should be the trait again every team is unique every format is unique so to give generalized advice and I'll put that caveat there is always dangerous at uh, coaches yep. temperament and appetite for risk there's always multiple different things there but but generally speaking, boys, and then I do want to talk about some specific players in a moment. But generally speaking, what's some advice for coaches looking through plans and purposes and intent for their trades? Minimunk will start with you. The the typical rule of thumb is to when a time when the
0: time is to trade a rookie out is when their break-even matches what they've been averaging roughly through the season or what you can see them scoring in a particular round. Sure. And the problem with that is that it varies depending on which format you're playing. I think a really good example might be someone like Baker. Oscar, Oscar Baker, Baker yeah. for the Ducks. In Real Dream Team, you absolutely don't want to trade him this week because he had a 75 last week and that's staying in his price cycle. Whereas in Super Coach, you probably do want to trade him because he's had a couple of back-to-back pretty poor scores. Sure. But has he got enough cash in his head? Probably not, but that's a discussion for another point. But that's the sort of things you want to be looking for. You want to be looking for when is a player maxed out in price? And what am I doing with that upgrade? It's if, you're, if you're bringing in a reasonable rookie, say you had, I don't know, McKenzie at M9 this week because you knew he was going to be sub, you trade out someone like Baker and you get it McKenzie at M8 this week, that's not going to hurt you that much because McKenzie's coming off the rest. Chances are he probably goes about even with Baker in a score and you're getting a premium out of it on the other end. Whereas if, again... I hate to harp on about it, but if you're bringing on a Cowan or a Hollands or a a JVR onto your field as a result of the rookies that you're trading out, you probably want to be looking elsewhere. You've got to look at the points that you're making from not only the premium that you're bringing in, but based off the rookie that's also coming onto your field in the process. I think
1: think it's really important as well. Just look at the last two weeks. We've had Will Day getting suspended for two weeks. This week we've had Zach Merritt, we've had Tom Green suspended. Hmm. Like, there's a lot of things that are, can change very quickly. That whatever you plan for, it's going to be you know, revert it back and it's going to be a waste of time to a point. Mm. But the fact is you still should be planning to complete your team. How are you going to complete your team? Who do you want in that team as the end final product? You don't want to be going and accepting like MJ, how many times have we got to the last couple of, you know, say the last month to six weeks of a season Mm. and we start going Oh no, we've run out of trades or we we're getting <laughs> we've run out of money. And so we've got to take these ones and accept. And we hold on to someone who's not really, not even close to a premium sometimes mm. as your last spot on a position. And it just impacts so much, like and same thing with AF. If you're not having the cash to spend to actually go from your mid-pricer to premium, you could be stuck for a very long time with that mid-pricer. And we know the volatile scoring ranges that some of the mid-pricers have. Like, I mean, they they could go through a bad run. Like, in your average averaging 50 or 60. And the premium that you really should have jumped on a while back – is now going at 100, you're losing 40, 50 points a week potentially doing that. And a couple of years ago, um, I was lucky enough to have um, won Dream Team. Hmm. I had Will Day as one of my rookies at D6. And this is where it gets really cool. We saw Nick Dacos last year, mate. Yeah. He, we could have kept him all year. she Man, did. Right now, we're planning to try and keep him as long as possible if not for the whole season. So hmm. there are little spikes here and there, little players that come in. Halfway through the year, we're going to probably have another range of SPPs or whatever they're called these days. Yeah, We're going to get a couple of mature-age guys that drop on our laps, and we're going to have these options you know, later in the season. And if they run at a 70, 80 average, then you can cover off That's why it's so important just to make sure you plan for that worst case. Where's the cash? How are you going to complete your team? Where do you want to get to, you know, come at your completed team?
2: Yeah, some really good stuff. So we've named a couple of players in different price points. Um, There's a few guys that are interestingly priced across the formats and are getting some are getting a lot of dialogue amongst the fantasy community, some not so much. Over the past fortnight, Zach Butters has really re-established himself in the fantasy community's uh, vision after back into that midfield role. Certainly not primary, but much stronger split than it was in the earlier parts of the year. Dropped a little bit of cash on what he's starting was, and he was arguably value in his starting point anyway. But he now finds himself well and truly underpriced on his potential. But at the same time, and Minimunk has alluded to a couple of names here already across the formats, Lockie Neal, Tuke Miller, Rory Laird, Tom Stewart, upper end premiums that we've gone against, like using Laird for the example, if you didn't have Laird, this is everything you could have asked for. A couple of really bad scores in that rolling five weeks, he, he arguably is maybe a couple of thousand he's going to get cheaper he's shown over the past three or four weeks that the scoring potential is still there so how do we balance these value quote unquote underpriced guys in a butter's type versus the fallen big dogs that probably will be in our team at the end of the year how do we make sure we're prioritizing correctly for our team given choosing one means you probably miss the other
0: I think you have to let what you can afford with the rookies that you need to trade out dictate where you move to. Mm. If Butters is the best you can afford in your format, then maybe he's the player to move on to. Maybe you do a bit of research around that price point, see what other options there are. You know, he's basically bang on 700K in AF this week. If you'd like another player that's basically at the same price point, go for them instead. But don't go trying to find the rookie to trade out instead to go up to Miller instead of going for Butters if it re- rips apart your team in the process. Mm. If you're trading Ashcroft instead of trading Menzi this week, it's 200K more that you've got you know, to be able to deal with with your trades, but it's also a much better rookie that you're taking off of the field in the process. And you know, that kind of plays into the way that people are being able to use boosts in Super Coach and Dream Team as well through sure. last season and this season is that you can say, Oh, maybe Davey has only made 60, 70k over his two price changes. He might not come back into the team. I'll strip him back to a 117K guy, take the coin and use that to go from a butters to a Miller or to a Merritt who wasn't if Merritt wasn't suspended or to a parish. Yeah. And I feel like that's a waste of a boost personally. Hmm. I feel like that's trying to force an upgrade to a player that you want to get rather than upgrading to the player that you should be getting or that, you know, the cash that your rookies have that you should be going to. If you've got 200K in the bank this week and you've got a couple of fat cows that you want to trade out and you can afford to get, you know, Roy Laird, Lockie Neal, Cook Miller through two trades, do that. Like, that's a great trade. But if the best player you can afford is a Tom Stewart, a Connor Rosie, a Zach Butters, do that instead. Like let the rookies dictate who you get to. Don't force the issues.
2: Yeah. Brits, this might not be a player that's on every person's team, but they might have a player like this. Andrew McGrath, you could maybe throw a will set a field um in some of the formats into this. These guys that are Setterfield's probably unfair to put in that same, given the money he's made in contrast. Angus Brayshaw? Yeah, guys that people picked to become, kind of to do what Dacos and Sarong have done, to be fair. Guys that we think could become premiums in their line have not popped to do so. While we're still on this underpriced, getting fallen premiums conversation and and maximising cows, if you are an owner of these mid prices that are doing fine but not doing great or terrible do we upgrade around these premiums or do we take these premiums and go right i can be a i can turn them into my LEDs, my millers my stewards um even my butters maybe to, to some extent uh, what's your thoughts on that De- you know format depending i suppose
1: okay so the first thing you've got to do is look at your buy structure Okay, who what by does that player fall in? Now, I'm going to call out a name here, okay, which is the guy that I think you're actually thinking when you were talking before and you called out Setterfield, and his name's Hayden Young. Yeah,
2: Young, McGrath, we can put them all in there. Yeah, sure.
1: He's round 12 by though, Rodio. So the fact is a lot of times when you've got a guy who hasn't quite hit the expectations you started him with, trying to get to that expectation of becoming that premium 95 guy, whoever it is, if they fall in a later buy, say around 14, round 15 buy at this point in time, you can actually wait till they're buy and then trade them to a premium that hasn't their buy already, okay? That way, if you say jump onto, um, let's say in the midfields, like, you know, you can jump on a steal, or whoever it is, okay? Sure. And you can go and use that as an avenue. So you get in one extra score for that guy that you jumped on. And McGrath's probably the perfect boat on that, okay? Mm. You could jump, grab McGrath, get an extra score out of them, right through to their buy. And then as soon as their buy hits, then you trade them out and you use that as a stepping stone to get the guy that you've missed previously. Does that make sense?
2: Totally makes sense. So you saying, so people that are in that Hayden, Young, McGrath, Angus, Brayshaw, if you're in the in-between, what's the priority for them?
1: Yeah, so my point here is Hayden Young, you don't have that flexibility on. So if you're going to move him, you have to move him now, otherwise you have to wait, okay, and you have to keep him, and then you have to use him as one of your later upgrades later on or you just got to give him time to actually become that premium you want him to become because like just because he's not getting that score right now doesn't mean he's not going to get it in a month's time not going to get it in two months time the fact with these guys is the average for the year caters for every game of the year not just the first four or five games yeah so this is where a lot of things change Okay, but if you were absolutely sick of watching him play, sure, you have to jump off him. Otherwise, you can't watch it anymore. Jump off now because you're not going to have that opportunity when the buys come around when you could do it.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Mini Monk, have you got any thoughts around that conversation?
0: I tend to agree. If you've got those players that are on the earlier buy rounds, say round 12 or round 13, yeah. Upgrading them to a premium for the round 14, round 15 buys is a play. Otherwise, you're probably holding them up to their buy and then going, right, I'm downgrading them at round 12. I'm going to jump onto a rookie. Might lose a little bit in the short run, but the cash that I generate in the back end will allow me to jump onto a premium the next week and you know, allow you to upgrade through that period. So I think that that's a reasonable point. I think the the more interesting players that people are considering moving on to this week. And mm. I think this may be very AF specific. Sure. We've alluded to the two players earlier. Jones and Johansson. Jones and Johansson, yeah. And I think this is where coaches might be trying to get a little too tricky. Yeah. And I would have loved to have been on last week because I had some very, very strong views about a couple of players who had a very similar price point to these two last week, who also had very nice break-evens going into the round. Jaden Hunt. I was And Trent Rivers. Mm-hmm. And I was vehemently against, and I even went out and said it multiple times, I don't think that these players are good players to trade in. Agreed. And if we lose the example of Hunt, he had a break-even of 14 last week. He also had a break-even AF, even of yeah. 14 the week before in AF. Yeah. He went 69 in AF this week. His break-even is now mid-30s. He poses another 60 this week, and his cash generation is stunted. You know, uh, Trent Rivers went 70-odd, a bit better, but his break-even is also jumping up quite quickly. I think it's already up into about the low 30s as well. So if, you've, if you're you looking at going players like Johansson and Jones this week in AF, or even in Supercoach or Dream Team, you have to be prepared for that to be a real possibility because... This is within those players' repertoires. We don't know what is going to do with the Magnets. There's every chance that Johansson has a role change. And Jones was the sub, you know, like three weeks ago. And people seem to have forgotten that. If that happens again and he pops a bad score, that cash generation is gone. He becomes a dead pick. He becomes yeah. just like those rookies that you have to trade out. It's a forced trade and you have to move. So... You know, there's a lot that's attractive about them because they have that low break-even, because they have that low price, and because it's an easy move from a rookie, but it's a very, very risky move right as we're starting upgrade season because you don't want to have forced trades for the next five weeks because that is what really stunts you through this period of the season.
2: Some good thoughts. Um,
1: What we've got to really do, MJ, is focus on who we're trading out to get them. Yeah. Like, that's where you're really, really going to build your risk. If you're trading someone who's a dead rook, then that's Chesser. probably worth it. Yeah, say a Chessar going to a Johannesson, that's probably, you know, I could think of worse trades. <laughs> like, That's probably not a bad outcome because you're then pushing Wilmot to D7 and you're doing this or doing that. Sure. And actually, that's not a bad play. That's something that I would do, mm. Okay. But if you're trading a Jimby across, then that's probably something that I wouldn't do. Yep. <laughs> like, so at the end of the day, and every team is unique. So mm. and when we say every team is unique, we're not just saying, oh, this player and this player. We're talking about, well, who's your D8? Who's your utility in AF? Who's your this? Who's your extra cover? But you should always, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, I believe, you should always plan for the worst-case scenario. And if you're comfortable and got an exit clause from that worst-case scenario, then you're happy days. Yeah. Number one big thing, though, and it doesn't matter who you trade into, know why you're trading into them. Are they a stepping stone? Are they a cash-gen option? Are they... Are you going to keep them to their buy? Are you going to, you know, and just know what you're going to do and manage your expectations, but also have plan B if it does end up being the worst case scenario.
2: Yep, some good advice. Um, let's talk about some of the new DPPs that came into the game. So, Sunday evening, I think it's 40, 41 new players. At- received an additional position there are a few guys including a christian petrarca who it looked like we were according to fantasy freak probably about two center bounces uh where if he went forward rather than started in the midfield we probably would have had him too there so thanks goody for that we really appreciate you really helping (laughs) us out there But there's some really interesting names that have done that. The first are are the cows that have added versatility and flexibility to us. So Will Phillips, Cam McKenzie, Wilmot, we've alluded to a number of times already through this episode. And also we've talked, of course, about Harry Shiesel, who now moves in some people's teams from their best forward to their best defender, depending on how their season has been treating them so far. But there's some interesting names that we've gained. And I'm keen, just generally, your boys' thoughts on these guys. Uh, We've got some new defenders, Jack Siebel. We're probably not trading into Jack, but certainly some flexibility for those that own him. Keys. Adams, even though he's got the suspension this week. Keys, Adams. Uh, you've also got Bailey Smith as some of the big new forwards that we've seen. You could probably throw Jai Caldwell, Will Phillips, some others that are helping us in, in draft formats. In the back line, we've picked up the likes of the Lockie Boys with Ash and Whitfield, along with Sheasel and Zebel moving back. And then some midfield versatility. The likes of Dawson and Day uh, that are relatively popular across formats and now are, are midfield eligible as well some of those players aren't playing this week I'm alluding to Baz and Taylor Adams some of them are of the 40 odd DPP relevance let's remove the cows from the conversation and let's look at those that we're considering as targets in our classic teams across the formats Minimunk, let's talk about the GWS Lockies, and then Ryds, I'll get you to give, give me your thoughts on the likes of Keys and Bailey Smith as probably some of the more relevant forwards. How helpful are some of the big defenders that we've got, including this new Giants pair?
0: I think the defensive DPP is quite a good one. Whitfield has shown that he can be a premium with that role. And I think it's more so now in AF and DT than it is in Supercoach. I think the sample size of the last two years is enough to say that feel probably isn't the top six defender and super coach that he used to be. There is still that potential. We probably just don't. It's not as likely, I think, is the way to phrase it. Sure. And Ash is someone that could also fit that bill. But he's probably a little bit behind in the pecking order with Cumming also being down back there. And, and that makes it really risky. We, we talk about the Bombers having a lot of mouths to feed down back. I think the Giants kind of feel it fit into a very similar mold. And I think that's where a lot of the risk comes in with someone like Whitfield is he's had a couple of really good weeks, but two weeks ago, he just cracked the ton in AF and DT and he had seven kickers because the Bombers mm. kicked 22 behinds. You, there's not very many games where your opposition is going to keep 22 goals or 22 goals and behinds combined, let alone 22 behinds in a game. Mm. So I would probably peg him at about an 85 to 95, depending on where he goes. And that might put him in a D6 range, but he's also probably one of the more risky D6s that you could trade into at this point of the year.
2: That's good. Rids, let's talk about those forwards. Bailey Smith's come off the back of a 100 average last year, and... Probably about two years ago, Ben Keys was flying around that point for us well. Both have picked up forward status, uh, either of them or any of the others that have picked up forward status of interest to you.
1: Well, Baz Smith's obviously the big one, yeah? Yeah. Like, but we're going to have to see something. We're going to have to see something different from the Bulldogs, from Bevo, from Baz Smith, like we're just going to have to see something to have any confidence that that's formed from last year is going to come back at the, some stage this year. So I wouldn't be jumping on him as soon as he plays his next game, yep. but if you see something, but it means you're going to have to watch the footy game and see if you, you're just going to have to pass the eye test for you. Like someone like Ben keys won't pass the eye test for me ever. So mm. it's no good me watching him. So The fact is that there's not enough um, positivity about his role coming out of Adelaide. And we're already seeing a lot of, um, let's say, more highly skilled footballers not get the CBAs and Keyes is still not getting the CBAs. So guys like, Um, Rankin. Guys like Rochelle has dropped off a little bit. There's more kids coming through like a Berry, like a Schoenberg, like a Saligo. There's a whole range of people there that are going to get CBAs ahead of Keyes. Keyes is still getting them, but when Keyes needs to Get that lockdown role as a set forward. And we talked about Dacos previously. There's every potential he's going to be playing on Nick Dacos, whether he's in the CBAs or not. That's just the way it is. Okay. So he may get a spike in CBAs, but he's probably going to do a negative role. I want to talk to two names now and bring another conversation around with those two names. I want to talk about Callum Mills, and I want to talk about Christian Petrarca. Mm. Now, these two are the ones that we need to be watching. We saw just recently with those um, DPPs that a Caleb Daniel sort of Picked up forward
2: status, yeah.
1: He picked up forward status. So I think we were all going, yeah, we could probably accept that he's going to get mid-status, but forward status was interesting because he must have started a lot more ahead of the ball and worked his way into the midfield. So, And that's fine. Those two are the guys that I want to monitor for the next lot. And then MJ and Mm. M. Bunk as well. I want to start a conversation around Butters. and. Those types, because if we've already started four or five of the big premium forwards,
2: which a lot have,
1: and we've got a Baz Smith, and now we're going Mm. to potentially a Christian Petrarca coming through. Where does Butters fall in all of this? Because I know Butters is the um, guy that's pretty hyped at the moment, especially in AF this week. Yep. Supercoach is probably the outlier on that because he's more super Coach than
2: – Yeah, he averaged more than Rosie last year in that
1: format. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's always been a sort of supercoach – Player, so I sort of get the super coach, but a mm-hmm. general discussion around it: where does he fall? Is he is he like a potential top six, or is he actually more from a ten to a twelve? Or, anyways, I'll throw it over to you, Mini Monk.
0: First, I just wanted to make a very quick point on the Dogs Boys before I go into a bit of a rant about Butters. It's Trelaw that's come in and upset the mix for that midfield. Mm. If you look at his CBAs from last mm. year to this year, he has gone from, you know, 10, 15% to nearly 70% this year. And they're running a very tight mix. It's Liber, it's Bond, it's Trelaw and McRae, And Smith is on the outer. Yeah. So if Smith comes back and he's still getting 5 to 10% CBAs or maybe even only 30% CBAs, you're probably not jumping up. But mm. if you see that start to climb to about 50, 55% and his prices, you know, 500K in Supercoach and 800K in AF and DT, or heaven forbid, one of the Dogs boys in their midfield gets injured, hmm. that's when you jump on. And now let's talk about Zach Butters because I did some research in the preseason and I've gone hmm. back to refer to my notes from that preseason and I did a comparison between Rosie and Butters and I thought, hmm. well, they're pretty similar picks, pretty similar players, sure. very similar scores, pretty similar price. Rosie is the one that's taken off. Butters is the one that hasn't taken on. And Butters' CBAs to start this year haven't been high. 33, 41, 12. But then the last two weeks, 68%, 64%.
3: Okay,
0: That's a bit of a bump. And we know that when he averages about 50% CBAs, he's a 95 to 100 guy. Hmm. He's done it before. You take out his injured games from last year, he went at 96. Is that enough to be an F6? Yeah, it is enough to be an F6. Yeah, but if it does to be that there, yeah. ro- exactly? But does that role last for the entire season? You know, we don't know. Are there DPPs that are going to come in? We don't know. But then the other thing that, you know, brings it around for me is what's Port's run over the next few weeks? That's good. And what buy does Zach Butters have? Mm-hmm. Their run is very, very, <laughs> very nice, especially for inside midfielders and general forwards. And what buy to Port Adelaide have? By golly gosh, they have the round 15 buy. Mm. So if you're buying Zach Zach Butters and thinking that he's going to be a premium, sure, that might not eventuate, but sure. But if you're buying him and thinking, oh, he might hit 900K at his buy, there might be other premium midfielders that get DPP, like a Christian Petrarca, and I can flip him at his buy to one of those players, that's where there is a lot of interest in a player like Zach Butters for me.
1: And MJ, yeah. I've got to tell you right now, this is why I love having Mini Monk on here, okay, because mm. I can just make a point and then bring up something and he just drives it home. Now, <laughs> what did I say a couple of minutes ago about having the worst-case scenario, have the exit clause, the whole yeah. lot, and how we can actually sideways trade to premiums upgrade through premiums through the buys. Correct. But you think about this right now. So in AF right now, the play right now is let's go jump on Zach Butters. Okay. Yep. There's potentially might be a premium, but what's the worst case scenario is you actually keep him to his buy. And then you actually trade him at his buy to a guy who's already had his buy. That's not a bad outcome anyways. And at his price point right now in AF, it's absolutely. So manage your expectations, people, if you're going to go jump on that ride. We know the history. We know what's going to potential is a worst-case scenario could Mm -hmm. come to fruition. We know this. His attack on the ball is kamikaze. It's times. amazingly intense. Yes. He puts himself in very vulnerable situations. There's no doubt about that. And at right now, we just don't know what that port mix looks like from week to week because we've got Rosie, we've got Wines. We don't know when Willem Drew is going to tag. You Horn know.
2: Francis. You've got we've Boak got every France. now and then.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's just very... Um, it shifts all the time, but the end game is that he, you get your completed team, and that would be ideal if he sits there at F6 for the rest of the year. That's perfect. Mm. What's the out clause At his bye, I'm going to bring and jump across to whoever's had their bye, and let's say it is Petrarca right now. I'm going to go jump on Petrarca. And yeah, I'm and it's potentially a
2: sideways move. Boost premium on field. You know, we've talked about this run for the Port Adelaide Power. Let me run you through it. West Coast this week, St Kilda, okay, maybe a bit harder. Then it really opens up again with Essendon, North Melbourne, Melbourne, Richmond, Hawthorne, Western Bulldogs, and maybe not the perfect one to end, but Geelong um, it is certainly a nice run. I love that idea of best case scenario he's a transition at the buy. In fact, best case scenario is probably someone you got till round 23, but best case scenario round 23, likely scenario, a trade at round 15. Worst case scenario is he probably jogs you a couple of 80s and makes you 20, 30, 50K, and probably you're pushing a cow off field for him more than likely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, this is what we talk about with what's achievable with your trades. His price... In AF specifically here, because I I am of yeah. a very firm opinion that this is a very AF play. I sure. think in Super Coach and in Dream Team, I don't like it as much, but in AF, I think it's a very very good play. Sure, his price is so achievable with two rookies that you're not confident in. Hmm. It's so easy to get up to him, and if that you know reasonable scenario is you trade him at his buy and he averages let's say ninety between now and then. That is a huge win. Mm. That is an absolutely huge win because you're getting not only the points on field, you're getting rid of rookies that you're not exactly happy with, that that aren't on field, mm. and you allow yourself to be able to move to a premium very easily when he hits his buy.
1: And I'm just going to throw one more thing, and Please. I'm going to a conversation we had a second ago. Yes, around these underperforming, lower than expectation guys, and I mentioned Hayden Young. Okay, yes. and I don't want to go and rehash like specifically for Hayden Young all the time because poor Mini Monk's a free mental fan. He's been through enough this year. Okay, yeah, he's. But uh, we've seen it, MJ. How many times have we seen poor Mini Monk going? Can you just give the ball to Young and stop ignoring him? <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact is, he's one hundred percent correct. Correct, but right now we've got all these guys that have got defence status picked up in the last week or so. Mm. We're talking the Zeebles, we're talking the Sheasels and whatever else. Yeah. What do you reckon the play would be to better your buy structure for your team at no actual cost? If you just can't handle those guys anymore, mm. could potentially be a young two-up butters. Like, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, it makes a tiny bit of cash on the way too.
0: Although, if I'm being honest and... I am still a young owner. As much as it pains me, I don't think this is the week to do that. Mm. And the reason why is he has the de- the matchup that you want your defenders to have. Western Bulldogs. Yep. But maybe next week. <laughs> maybe next week you move up, move him up
2: to a premium instead. Break up with him next week is yeah, sure. what I'm using, exactly going to say. Yeah.
1: Just throwing it out there, though, that's potential what you can do. And you're fixing two problems with one stone. You may yeah. actually enjoy your foot, like your fantasy football game to do that better, but you're also fixing your buy structure and your potential true, problem down the road. So yeah. there is options here. And we just said it a second ago. You know, round 12 buy in young, round 15 buy in butters. It's, And that doesn't mean that you can't trade back into a young like after his Mm. buy if he does start picking up. Mm. If you're going to do that, you've got to jump quickly and do it. Like and I get it with the Bulldogs and everything, but the fact is, like, I mean, Paul Wagner didn't have the greatest game last week. We're already talking about Wilson. There's mm. a whole heap of discussions going on around. It's just a bit. Who knows where this is going to land? Mm.
2: Yeah, a very, very in up in the
0: air.
2: Sorry, Minnie, were you going to say something?
0: It is a very up in the air situation with that forer backline. And
2: look yeah. for those who have
0: traded into Wagner. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the 23 this week or even if he's the sub this week so that's just a word of warning for those that are even considering trading into him
2: yeah look there was a little bit of confidence you could have taken out of um the press conference from jl this week but Hmm. certainly it wasn't glowing in confidence rather it was I like to give guys a couple of weeks rather than not nah, loved what he did sort of thing. So certainly not the most glowing endorsement, but we'll take that. Uh, before we go, there are two things. And before I go, I mean, before we get into the podcast, um, boosts are an interesting thing. That you alluded to a little bit earlier, Mini Mark, and it's a unique experience for Dream Team and Supercoach guys. It's where for five teams a year, you can... Maximize the opportunity to make significant moves in a week, five times at any time during a year, where you can make one additional trade above the standard. So, two in normal rounds, you can make three with the boost. In the multi buy rounds, you can normally make up to three, but using a boost, you can use four trades. However, once all five are gone, they're done. The vast majority of the community will have used at least one, uh, whether that be to correct multiple issues heading into the bubble round, whether it be to fix a premium mid-price or a cow. I, I don't know off the community, many that are still sitting pretty with five. However, in this week, and Mini alluded to this earlier, coaches are forcing, a, you know, a needle through the eye that might not be needing to be threaded and trying to make moves happen. So my question to you, boys, is around, how should we be using our boosts um, at this portion in time of the year that are both correct uses of the boost versus I'm just a little too trade happy and I'm and I'm going to regret these moments in eight to 10 weeks' time?
0: I, I'm going to start this off by talking about the buys, because I think this is a really important caveat for when we're using our boosts hmm. last year, we had a six, six, six buy structure, six teams off in each week, and we were pa- fairly evenly distributed through the buys based on the way that teams looked, you know, around about round six, round seven of the season. This is not the same year. We are looking at a lot of issues at that round 15 buy. There are teams that have seven or maybe even eight players that they want to keep through that buy round who are on that buy round. Mm. You're know, you talking eight premiums of your 30 players. That leaves you with 22. You can't say you're going to have rookies that are dropped, rookies that are not playing, loophole options. To me, I'm wanting to save a boost for round 15 and maybe even for round 14 as well. Mm. so that your team can be corrected through those two weeks. So then the caveat becomes, right, well, what do we need to do with the boosts now? And the correct answer is you need to make sure that you're in a position where you can save them. And this goes back to that discussion we are having before about Mm. finding the right premiums to move to based on the rookies that you have, not moving to the premiums that you want to get to enforcing the issue. Yeah, If you can get to... Let's say, uh, I don't know, a Tom Stewart this week in Supercoach with two trades, but you really want to get to Jordan Dawson, but you're going to have to use a boost, mm. settle on Tom Stewart. I agree. Save the boost, save the extra trade, wait for the cash generation to kick in, and target the player that you want a little bit down the line. Those are the types of things that people need to be considering when they're deciding whether or not they want to activate the boost. Another thing about this week is that we don't have that many rookies on the bubble. We do next week. We yep. might have four or five on the bubble next week. Might be a good time to do a two down, one up. Because you sure. can get onto a couple of those. But this week, there's really only the one rookie on the bubble that people are considering, which is Williams. Maybe yeah. people are considering going to Roberts or Johnson instead.
2: Loyal, But maybe, these are
0: rookies. Maybe. Yeah, these are all rookies we're not particularly happy with moving into. We're kind of doing it because, you know... We have to cull the money somewhere. Yes. And so if you're doing an extra trade and moving on to a rookie that you're not particularly happy with and using a boost in the process as well as using the trade and not getting the maximum cash generation, that's when I think you're missing a trick with using the boost this season.
2: Yeah, that's good. Any thoughts you have on the boost, Rids before we jump into our Patreon questions?
1: So I just want to throw out that Robertson Supercoach is probably the – the black sheep of the family because <laughs> he's actually he's close Rodio yeah um to be in the number one downgrade option this week when it comes to rookies in Super Coach yeah um, yeah but yeah it's hundred percent correct but the thing is make sure who you're targeting okay and who you're accepting to come into that like is a steward like who you think is in that echelon of top six defenders. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't go, I'm going to accept a Jake Lloyd if I can get to a like Dawson in the extra. That's where you use the extra trade because Mm -hmm. there's a likelihood down the road you're going to use that trade anyways to get. So you don't accommodate always. That's when you need to use a boost is when you can maximize it because all you're doing is you're using that extra trade, albeit in the one week. But years ago when we didn't have a boost, all we used to do is go, you know what? I'll make one downgrade this week and next week I'll make one downgrade and one upgrade and get it anyway and not use the boost. Yeah, Like, I mean, don't be impatient. Like, I've seen some of the craziest suggestions on boosts this week, and I'm sure you two have as well, Mm. Like where it's like, guys, you're trading out someone who's still got another 50K. Just use one of Call the guy this week. Maximize your cash. Grab the guy you need. And then next week, when he makes that 50 grand, go drop him then. (laughs) You can can absolutely. And they're all worried about the weak matchup. (laughs) Yeah. Of the premium next, this week. And it's like, yeah, but we're trading them in for the rest of the season. It, yeah, correct. Like, if I, I get it. Tuke Miller, at the moment, you he should be on everybody's radar. Oh, yeah? without
2: question. Yeah, but
1: it's not absolutely must trade in Tooke Miller this week just because he plays North Melbourne. Correct. There are a couple of negatives around that match. The timing of it, where it's being played at. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of bits and pieces like there's probably questions, a bigger conversation around is Tooke Miller still the number one midfielder for the Is it Noah Anderson now? Is it Noah Anderson's coming up? Does Matt Rowell's extra improvement from another season eating in? Who knows where this all goes Goes. So hmm. don't make it that conversation in your head mean, I have to get Toot Miller this week. I have to hmm. get Miller this week. It's okay. You can get him next week and pay an extra 20000 and be confident about getting him and totally. just yes. be franked by that decision. Because if you go and force it, and this is where forcing the trade comes into it, and you go and force it, and you trade him in and you're trading into 100 when you're expecting 150, how do you feel about that when you've used another boost?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Some good advice. All right, let's jump into some of our Patreon questions before we wrap up this episode. You boys on this episode have been absolutely superstars. If you want to become a Patreon, all the links in the description of this podcast episode, they get a bunch of hidden group access, access to additional podcasts, articles, and of course, the power to get their questions directly answered on these podcasts. And it's just one of the practical ways you can support the coaches panel. All the links are in the podcast description. Matt's asked a question about Supercoach cash cows which I think you boys actually just beautifully answered then in terms of the right ones to be targeting and the right mindset so Matt I hope that one kind of helped you out through there a super coach one will throw to you rids from grimo he says he's double downgrading this week and using a boost to a primo mid so his thoughts are trading Baker Oscar to Williams grabbing took or trading Chandler to Johnson and grabbing Laird. That's his question. And then he's got another one about would Neil be a better option than Laird or Took. So he's kind of doubling down on one of those three. So what's your thoughts on doing a trade like that? Baker out, Williams in, and Chandler um, out, and Johnson in, and then going up to one of those uber premium midfielders.
1: I just couldn't do Chandler to Johnson and have any confidence that in three weeks time that I'm going to be happy with that downgrade. Yes, like there's no yeah. way known I could do that because like I mean, Melbourne's got a really handy four weeks. There's there's every chance that Chandler is going to actually sp- spit out a nice score in the next couple of weeks and actually go up another fifty, hundred thousand.
2: Like, yeah, I agree.
1: And on top of that, he's been one of our best job security rooks in that. He's been so good
2: at F6 for us this year, F5.
1: And I mean, Johnson, like, we're talking about, look, and we just said that Fremantle's got a lot of moving parts. There's a guy called Will Brody that's the biggest moving part in the world at the right now. He came on as the vest last week and actually changed the fortune off that game, and they won. Mm. Like, he can do a lot of good. Yeah, so I good. just don't have any confidence Johnson, A, will have an inside role anyway. He might be stuck out on a wing. There's been a lot of um, to-in and fro-in on the wings for Fremantle in the last well, – or even this season. Like We've seen probably five names go through there. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be confident that that's a good move. Yep.
2: you I not mean, mm-hmm. thought on that?
0: I was just going to say Johnson's role changed when Brody came onto the, the field deal. as well. And that's what I would be really worried about if I was trading into him. He was in those midfield rotations, but then, you know, Swierkowski goes down injured. You replace him with a like-for-like. That's Johnson, unfortunately, at that stage. And he pushed forward. And you can see that in his scoring. He saved his week. He saved his score with a big last quarter. Yeah, that's true. And there was a very clutch goal in that. And Mm -hmm. he got in a lot of contests as a result. But... I wouldn't be downgrading into him with any confidence that he's going to hold that role, let alone not be a sub.
2: Let alone not even be in the team in three or that's four like weeks' that. time. Yeah, that's a good call. All right, AFL fantasy question from Guy. He's also got a super coach one, but we'll throw the AF1 to you, Minnie Monk. He's got 735K. He's targeting a defender. These are some of the options he's looking at. Zebel, Stewart, Wilkie, and Liam Baker. Who's the pick of the litter? I feel like this is a nice, easy one for you.
0: I, I feel like this is a little bit of a softball. To my eyes, it's Tom Stewart. He has been a top six defender before. He's tracking that way again. He scored pretty well in what's not a good matchup for you a know, designated kicker off halfback. His price is good and his buy is good. Mm. If I'm ranking the next few options, I'm probably tossing a coin between Zebel and Baker. I think mm. they both could be interesting rides and i'm probably putting wilkie in fourth
2: yeah and and the interesting thing with zebel and baker is there are potential changes coming to their sides with the likes of a Jaden short and an aaron hall that might disrupt some of that current structural movements we've seen so i, I i'm with you there I'd, I'd be a bit hesitant to trade into either of those two boys super coach question we'll throw to you brids from him uh he's got grundy in his ruck alongside marshall he's realizing he wants to get into english especially if max is back should he just stick it out with grundy he's got that 200k um or should he be looking to be moving on some of the cows and getting up some upgrades he's looking at token guys like menzi and Jinbi as his ticket to that what should be his priority if max is back this week i think
1: grundy's got a nice enough break even that you can actually park it for a week Um, yeah and a
2: decent matchup against um yeah, whereas English
1: has got a very awkward matchup this week. I won't say it's a difficult matchup. No, I'll Darcy's not. Awkward an matchup. easy
2: one for sure. Mm.
1: Okay. okay. Um but it's also the timing of the matchup. It's the it's like the first or second game of the round where the first. it it's goes. First all the way through to Tuesday. It's a long so,
2: week of non-knowing full teams.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of that you can do by keeping that trade up your sleeve and then using it through the week if any carnage does happen to drop mm-hmm. and hit you. Um, so I would hold Grundy for the week. Hopefully he, like Gorn, is eased in as a forward um, a lot more. Then you've got... You might be bypassing an uh, awkward matchup for English. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also catering to make sure you've got a straight up your sleeve just so you can cover it off if there is any carnage to laid
0: outs or anything. Yeah, it's true. 67 break even in Supercoach. Matchup is against Richmond. No, no name, Curvis. Yeah. It's, it, even it's, a bad it's week. the is... one that you'd probably, even a bad week, it's an 85 90. 100%. Do the two rookie fix get a premium onto your field, target English later.
2: Yeah, I like that. Some good advice from you, lads. Uh, Mini Marcus Supercoach question from Adam. He's got some issues with his cash generation on his bench. Chester, Constable, he's thrown Cowan into the mix. Um, he's now t- putting, which, again, I know you boys have alluded to, but he's now looking at names like Jinby, McKenzie, and Chandler. And he thinks if he can get into the likes of Sinclair, is it worth losing these guys? I know we've talked about this a little bit, but using some specific names, what's your take in and around that trade idea?
0: I think that that's really risky, especially if you're trading someone like Jinbi. if your defensive bench cover is Cowan, Chesser, and Constable. Yeah. You lose one of your defenders, chances are you're eating a donut. And yep. you really don't want to be eating a donut at round six in the season.
2: No, I think it's So I would, be,
0: I would be trying to hold Jinbi. And I'd probably be fixing some of those rookies. It's really hard with players like Constable and Chester when they haven't had that third game to have that price movement. I, I can see Chester coming back at some point in the season. Yeah, I can see Constable coming back, but as a sub mainly, not actually in the 22. And I think Cowan is the one that you actually probably want to hold because there's every chance that he has a spike game where he goes 75, his cash generation bumps for the next two weeks, and then you can move him on at that point. So it's it's a really tricky one, but I would probably try and move one of those two. And Mm. if it's one that I'm moving out, it's probably Constable, despite the fact that he has a lower break even, because I just don't see him coming back into that Suns team.
2: Yep, that's fair enough. Uh, Sam Penny's got an AFL fantasy question for you, Rids. He's a Jack Bowes owner. He's got all the big guns. He's nailed the rookies. He's copped the green suspension, but that's okay. He's finding himself ranked inside the top 5K. So he's had a nice start. What should be his focus? Moving on some topped out Rooks or getting Bows out of the side. He's got 230K in the bank before making any other moves. If you'd like to know the price point of Jack Bose to give you the full information reads, just to complete the picture, I'm happy to do that for you. Jack is priced at $625,000 in AF.
1: Yeah, so just put that money on his head and actually fix
0: the problem.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. Stuart. And you can fix 100K.
0: And you fix a bad rookie in the process as well. Like you do, you know, Sinclair Menzies down or someone yeah. else down, you make 100K. It's 330K on someone who's 625. Take a pick at the defenders at that point. Well, there's
2: Dawson now, who's still very attainable in AF. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'd fix that issue. Things. Yeah,
1: yeah I'll just fix it and move on. Like, yeah. let's say it is a Dawson, okay? You could probably get to Dawson with the cash you got there now, anyways, on top of uh, Bose. Just or about, yeah. Too. And then, even then, with the rook um, at the lower level, you don't want to spend 600000 for a guy who's going to give you rookie scores. Like, yep. Yeah. Like, I think Bose, what was it, 40 on the weekend? Yeah, it well,
2: it's seven. not been pretty for a couple of weeks there yet.
1: Yeah, so just pop the money on his head, get yourself to the Dawson or whoever you don't have, whether it's a Stewart or whoever else, and then fix the other guy, you know, the, the broken rook that's not playing and yeah. move him across to someone that can make a bit of cash for you.
0: Nice. I, I think this hops into a a more generic point about when's the right time to trade an underperforming premium or, mm. or a mid-pricer. And it's when they have that potential to pop a score that a rookie can easily match. Bose has popped a 47 on the weekend. That's the exact same score that, you know, some of our rookies got on the weekend. Like Pedler got a 47, Cowan got a 41, and they are 300K cheaper. Yep. If your underperforming premium or your mid priority is popping a score that a rookie can match, that's when it's fine to trade them.
2: Yep, nice. Some good but it thoughts.
0: wasn't exactly like it was
1: a hard matchup last week. No. Like played against no, it was a good matchup. Like you would have yeah. been expecting more than a 50. Like,
2: oh, yeah. 70 at least, I think you'd be hoping for. Well,
1: that's give- why yeah. he's probably held on to him. So, yes. So just fix it now.
2: Yep, it's yep. good. Jamie's got an AFL fantasy question for you, Mini Monk. Uh, two t- options. Cowan to Johansson. I, su- I suppose you could go Jones if in, in that scenario. Or he can do McGrath to toke in a single trade he can do one of those two in a single trade with the jj i can push one of either matt roberts or wilmot to the bench but with the toke trade i have to field them both so so that's his dilemma it's jj on field one of roberts or wilmot on field Took on field, but has to play them both. What's your thoughts? Of course, McGrath's in that combination too. I assume yeah. he's not trading him there. So, Yeah. So let, let's look at McGrath's scores from the year in, in AF.
0: 81, 86, 79, 65, 84. Hmm. One bad game out of five. This is 65. It's not a score that's really hurting you. He's priced at 696. Hmm. He's probably not going up too much in price. He's probably not going too, down too much in price. I think you get the rookie off field. Mm. Who knows what Wilmot and Cowan are going to score this week? And if you have the opportunity to even loop them, say you have a Chessa, a DA, that feels really good to me. So yeah, yeah. I-, I think that's the way that I would be headed. Yep. And that's that's exactly how I've mentioned
1: before. Like you're going from Cowan up to Johansson, and you're pushing Wilmot to your bench. That's the yeah. perfect play in my eyes, too.
2: Yep. Nice, good one. Uh, Hodges next in. A couple more and then we're done. You boys have been killing it. Two-part question for you, Rids in AFL Fantasy. Uh, he's wanting to trade into one of Roberts, Mitchell, Johnson, or Williams. Which of those feels like the more important trade in AFL Fantasy from a downgrade of a cow perspective?
1: So it's one of the first two.
2: Yeah, Um yeah, I think that's fair.
1: I would say there's two groups in that, okay? You've got Roberts and you've got Mitchell in the one first group. Mm -hmm. and then the other two in the second group
2: that's fair enough so on the basis of that he says he's got 390k spare to trade and he's got two options he's looking at cowan to butters or move jeremy cameron up to a noah anderson which of those two upgrades do you like more no idea if cowan's on the field for him or not
1: okay so just what was that first part
2: Uh, it was so based on getting one of those cows that he downgrades to, it will free yeah, so him Cowan
1: up. To Butters and Cowan was... to
2: Butters or Jeremy Cameron up to Noah Anderson.
1: Why? Jeremy Cameron? Yeah. I... Why would you be training up Jeremy Cameron? He's going.
2: I'm not because... too sure. He's going okay, just fine.
1: So can I say option one then?
2: Yeah, Cowan to Butters. Absolutely fine. Uh, Super coach question for you from Corsa. He's got a couple, but we'll throw it to you, Mini Monk. Who out of Miller, Stewart, and... Neil or Zeeble is the priority this week. Who would be your one and two priorities?
0: I'm just going to knock Zeeble out this week and say, I don't think Zeeble is the right idea to trade into, especially when you're considering the other three that are in that group. And then it's probably about where you need to bolster your lines. I would be targeting either Miller or Stewart this week. I think they're both great, but I also think in Supercoach you can wait a week on Stewart because that one sixty that he scored three weeks ago is out of his price cycle. His break even is back up to about one thirty now, and on the basis of that, I'd probably
2: go Miller. Yeah, and the importance of that multi buy around value that those Gold Coast and Cats players are going to give us during their we, we're going to talk about that I'm sure as we get closer. Then oh, in absolutely. AFL fantasy, oh, sorry Rids, did you want to jump on that? No, nah, I'm not at all. No, okay, no worries. He's then got an AFL fantasy question: uh, Is it worth getting Dacos or Dawson? He's his ticket to it, I feel like this is going to get fun, it's Tom Green. Should he do uh, that? Can I... Or should he fix up some cows like Yuland uh, on the bench and then deal
1: with those? MJ, just stop talking. No. Don't do that, please. Just never do that. Just never do that.
2: I'm Just asking the question.
1: Or well, actually, as a day cost non-owner, okay, I do not own day cost in AFL Fantasy, do it. Because you're going to jinx that to get a tag to a sixty. Just do it. And
0: Green's what the fifth highest averaging midfielder in the game, and he's suspended for one week.
2: Yeah, no. Nah. No, nah. nah, nah. We're holding it. Yeah, I, I just want to make that can, very clear. It's a hold. Especially like one of he's he's written a bit further. He's like, man, I can I can go and get Johansson off, you know, via a Yuland. If I'm I'm like, yes. That's much better for your team longer term. And well, for that's this exactly,
1: week. that's so much better for your team. Yeah? yeah. You're pushing a rook on your bench. You're getting rid of a dead rook on the bench. You're actually doing a lot of stuff here. You're, yeah. you're getting better cash gen. Yeah, yeah, just do plan. that. Yeah, just yeah. do yeah. that. Yeah,
2: just I'm do with that. you. Uh, last four or five questions we've done. Two from Sriram. Um, how important is it about thinking about your buy structure at this point in the season? And uh, I'm assuming he's more a dream team and super coacher because he's specifically alluding to the Gold Coast and the Suns players who we know will become important for us during the buy rounds. Monk, your thoughts? How much should we be waiting the buy round? Um, Relatively significantly,
0: in my eyes. We've only got two teams on that round 13 buy and they will play every other week of the buy rounds. But the other thing is that the two targets that most people are looking at, Across the formats are Stewart and Miller Mm. to to guide us through those rounds. And they're at a really cheap price. And they're players who we think are top of their line. Like, if you can get onto them and you, chances are they might not be the best available player. Chances are they're pretty darn close to it. And you're flipping a coin. And when you start flipping that coin, what do you start to use to determine who you want? It's typically the buy rounds. Yeah. And that 13 buy round with those two players, super juicy
2: yeah that's really really good uh jpfam3 has a question for you rids um oh no i just read it before (laughs) before is green
1: (laughs) yep trade him away knock yourself out just do it
2: is he is he a trade worth moving on to caleb Saron?
1: yeah, why not? Just do it. And what I want you to do is make that trade, and then take a learning from it, and why you shouldn't trade him out.
2: Yeah, surely you've got. Um,
1: a, Did I word that you, nicely enough to that, be? Yep, to say don't trade it.
2: Yeah, look, we, we can work on some of your um your you know your t- demeanour in that, but yeah, that, that that's <laughs> not bad from you. I'll, I'll give you that. Last two ones. Um, Bandicoot has our last two questions. Um, I'll throw this first one to you, Rids, because the second one's a Fremantle question, so I'm keen on Mini Monk's take Mm. uh, on it. How many trades is too many trades to have used heading into round six in Dream Team? I'd say 36. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, Um,
1: I'd say um, if you're happy with your team, then it's not, you haven't used... You, you haven't overused. Just as long as you're happy with your team and you can actually start from now and you've got around that 25 to 29 number,
0: you should be fine. Yeah. I don't think you want to have used more than 10 and you probably want to want to have used more than three boosts. I think around about eight to nine trades and two boosts is that pretty sweet spot.
1: If, you, oh, if you've got 28 or more trades and you've only used two boosts, you're in a perfect spot.
2: Yep. Yep, fair enough. All right, last question. It's also from Bandicoot. Fremantle question. What the heck with Andy Brayshaw? Um, he's probably lost too much money to trade. He's clearly an owner. Um, do I just keep holding and doing that? Is that simple? as that talk? Give me that answer, and then give me a bit more of your commentary about Brayshaw because non-owners are licking their lips at this guy. If
0: we look at his scores, it's a couple of bad games. There's a ninety and there's a seventy-two, and the seventy-two really stings. But he was tracking for a high ninety score in that game before he had a one point last quarter. One point that really hurts. So yeah owners are licking their lips to get him but if you oh uh, sorry not owners licking the lips but if you're an owner you probably just have to stick through it and hold him yeah he's a player who's gone 105 110 115 for stretches of a season when he's on form he's out of form and he's still averaging 101
2: in, like, in fantasy yeah yeah
0: exactly like it's 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 a hold but there's interesting things about him so it's not been well reported but By all looks, it seems like he's carrying a niggle. He has not been 100%. He's not been running well. He's had strapping on his knee at points. He's not 100% clearly. So if he's not at that level and he's still averaging 100, think about how good he's going to be once he gets past that niggle in three weeks' time. And imagine if you trade out of him and all of a sudden he starts going 115.
2: Yeah. No, I wouldn't be trading out of him if... If not again, it's in the layered conversation we alluded to 20 30 minutes ago. If you went against him, this is exactly what you are hoping for a dip of one or two lower scores, make himself really nicely priced. The only flag around Brayshaw sure, is first buy round, so you're trading into missing him earlier than potentially some of your yeah, other guys. But that's not a reason not to get him, it's more just a factor in there for you.
1: But MJ, you don't pay 110 or whatever it is, okay. And then say, oh, thanks for the 100 average after five games and trade out of them. You just go, you know what? The price is gone. The dollars are gone. I've traded into you so you can average that 110 for the season. So you just got to back them in now. So the thing with Laird, though, which is slightly, slightly different, okay? Laird, I think there was uh, lots of things moving, magnets moving around the board. But we've seen that Adelaide midfield mix tighten right up in the last two to three weeks, and they've sure. won the last yeah. three games. Um, Led's been a lot more, I would say, less targeted. I think Dawson's going to be the number one tag tra- um, tag target moving forward. Right, we saw Led get absolutely hammered by two tags just recently,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they did good jobs. Just sometimes you just got to go, you know what people just do a good job. Like that yeah. Willem drew through job on him was just amazing in the first half. Yep. Like sometimes you just got to go, you know, tip your hat, away you go. Bray he's actually has, he hasn't looked in form. And mm. there has been enough commentaries to suggest he's, he's injured somewhat and he's carried something. So Mini Monk's hundred percent correct. Like, yeah. and just in the last couple of days, I think we've heard JL say, oh, he's starting to get back to 100%. That doesn't mean he's been 100% for the year. That means he's been injured. He's struggled. He's coming back to 100%. You don't want to trade out of him now.
2: No, no, no absolutely not. And there's a, a run of games during the year. It, it is post-buy that is very interesting to me for Brayshaw. It's Richmond, GWS, Essendon, Western Bulldogs, and Carlton at the first five weeks after the buy. They're not juicy... Oh my goodness! Amazing matchups, but you talk about a guy to target potentially at his basement price. It's not bad, Mini Bug, and the round twenty-four matchup
0: against Hawthorn at the yeah. MCG. Oh my word!
2: And the captaincy. Oh my word! Do you word.
1: remember? Do you remember years ago? Chris Yaron came out in the preseason game and was absolutely destroyed. I still
2: all. have PTSD about this. Stop doing this because I picked it's him.
1: What happened? He, he got, got tagged. tagged next week. So right now, Sarong is absolutely flying, radio. He's been one hell of a great starting pick. There's no question Amazing. about it. But where do you reckon the attention goes starting from next week onwards? Is it well, going to be to Brayshaw, who's out of form, who hasn't been racking it up influencing games? Or is it going to be to Caleb Sarong?
2: Well, like, round one, they tagged Sarong over Brayshaw, the St Kilda well, footy club.
1: Ross is a bit weird at times, then. <laughs> I don't have the inside knowledge of that, but but you see what I mean? Like, you it yeah. just makes sense. Like, Brayshaw's the one that you want to be backing on now,
2: not jumping like, off.
1: But Sarong, that doesn't mean Sarong's a bad pick, no. it's just you're paying a lot more than what you've passed him at previously
2: no it's good you, you lads have been sensational right throughout this podcast i hope as you've been listening to it you've been able to to pick up some of the nuggets of the goal that both rids and money mini monk have been sharing with you so rids as always mate absolute pleasure having the pod having you on the podcast yeah it's all easy mate yeah well done from you and mini monk well done harry shiesel <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I'm just going to start calling you Harry for the rest of the year. It's just going to <laughs> stick because uh, you two Muppets started to get every time someone sends us a direct message. They're like, MJ, I want to know about your hair. So Harry's just going <laughs> to start sticking. Uh, When's the rising start? Star,
1: Talking about hair, oh, how much no. product have you got in that tonight? Oh, That's goodness. <laughs> it's almost on vertical today. It'd be That's... like a cyclone would be blowing and your hair
2: wouldn't move an inch. Just call me Ray Martin and you're absolutely fine. You lads have been awesome. Thank you for listening. If you loved what you got from the coaches panel so far in 2023, uh, you can always join our Patreon supporter group. Not one bit of it goes towards funding my hair product. I can guarantee you of that. goes towards helping the coaches panel do everything we do uh, for you as a content creator, podcasts, website, social media, all the great content you get. There are plenty of hidden bonus content pieces, podcasts, articles, and the hidden groups, all the links for the Patreon, supporter group you can find in the description of this podcast episode at coachespanel.tv there's articles dropping really regularly right throughout the week but we wish you all the best of luck as you're heading into round six we hope your trades work your way that you nail the captaincy calls and that the ever challenging rookie roulette is kind to you until we chat with you in the round review next week for our subscribers and for you in our strategy round table we can't wait to chat next week with you here at the coaches panel